Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 212 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. If you are looking for the best mocktails, the Mindful Mocktail has you covered with recipes right at your fingertips. And you're in luck. Natalie, the founder and creator of Mindful Mocktails, is here talking all about overwhelm when it comes to life and, of course, motherhood. She shares how alcohol was her escape and time to turn off from adulting. She explains how she used mocktails to aid in her sobriety journey. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. Natalie, how are you? What's going on? I'm great, Jessica. Thank you for having me today. Yes, I am so, like, I was just, we were just talking about this, and I feel like our paths have crossed for several years on social media, on Instagram, now on TikTok, back to Instagram, back and forth, and I'm like, why haven't I asked Natalie to be on the podcast? Like, what am what am I, what ball am I dropping here? <laughs> Why haven't I been on until now? No, I'm right? aware of you too and watching your progress throughout the years. And you yeah. were on the scene when I first started the Mindful Mocktail, I think three years ago. And we were both like relatively small then. And I've seen you grow yeah. and you've seen me grow. And I'm just so glad that we can finally come together and have a conversation. It's amazing. Totally. And you have some amazing growth news, uh, which I definitely want to get to with the mind, uh, with the mindful mocktail, but I want to back it up a little bit and I want to get your relationship with alcohol and how you identify in terms of your relationship with alcohol. So mm. c- if you can kind of like walk us through the backstory or how, how you identify with alcohol, like, are you a sober girl? What do you like to call yourself? How do you identify? Yeah, well, I'm definitely a sober girl, so it's been okay. over three years since I've had a drink. Nice. Um, and there is a bit of a backstory there, so okay. I'll I'll go into that. I won't. I'll I'll try and condense it a little bit if I can, but I'll tell you all the juicy bits. Oh, we um, love to hear the juicy bits. <laughs> um. So. Look, my relationship with alcohol started when I was a child. Not that I was drinking when I was a child, but I was watching the people around me drink a lot as a child. Mm. And, you know, being a kid growing up in the 80s in Australia, Mm. I mean, I don't know if it's the same over in the States, but like in the 80s, alcohol, I mean, alcohol's everywhere today, but alcohol was really, really everywhere in the 80s. The idea of not drinking back then for my parents and their friends, I mean, that's insanity. You must have a a serious drink to the point where you're in rehab if you're not having a drink, right? So Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the thing to do. It wasn't. It wasn't. Sobriety? No. Yeah. So my sister and I, you know, like we grew up with that, whether it was a 
celebration, a commiseration, a hard day at work, a good day at work, you know, whatever kind of thing we were celebrating or commiserating, just alcohol was always there and it was there in kids' birthday parties and barbecues and Christmas and birthdays and all of the things. And, you know, the thing was my childhood, my household, it was a wonderful, tender, loving, caring childhood household you know when I talk to my parents about it now they're very open and they're like we we did the wrong thing by you having alcohol Mm -hmm. time like it's amazing the conversations that we have now about you know I guess the way we were brought up but as I said the way we brought up were brought up was just in this really loving um caring house but the alcohol was always there so you know I guess as I grew up um, that I watched that and then I sort of repeated that as an adult. So okay. when I first moved out with my boyfriend, when, you know, I, I met a guy, I moved out with him and I basically just adopted the same drinking habits. So in most mm. days, a drink um, after work. Um, it was strange for us not to drink on the weekend. You know, if we didn't have a drink on the weekend, there was something odd going on. We were unwell or whatever. Right. Um, and... You know, looking back, I don't regret any of that time. You know, we 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 early twenties. We went out every weekend, often like multiple times. Um, you know, over the week, I was what you would call, if there is such a thing, it sounds silly, but like I had a healthy relationship with alcohol back then. Yeah, I could go a day or two without drinking, but right. I just didn't want to. So most of the time, I chose to drink. But if I had to, then yeah. I would you know right then a few years later I I got separated from that relationship he was a really heavy drinker too but but I separated from that relationship and I met my now husband okay and he's Italian and the weird thing with him is that he barely drinks at all I say that's weird (laughs) I'm a (laughs) non-drinker it's so weird (laughs) yeah but at the time I was like who is this Italian. I mean, you associate Italians with drinking wine and pizza right. and all the things. Right. I'm massively, I know. Um, <laughs> but we went through this weird thing when we first met where he didn't drink at all and I drank okay. a lot. I thought he was odd and he thought I was odd. And, <laughs> you know, it was this weird thing because it was really, you know, the funny thing is when you're a drinker, you surround yourself with drinkers, whether you realize it or not. You yeah. know, your friends are drinkers, your, you know, just everyone, like your activities all involve drinking. And, you know, it's an interesting thing when you try and rebuild a life later. Yeah. And surround yourself with people who, you know, where alcohol isn't the main focus, but I'm skipping ahead. But, um, yeah. So we absolutely adored each other, but there was always this thing about the drinking. Um, okay. And it was never like a big argument, but it was definitely the first time I thought to myself, wow, like there is another way to go out and socialise and not drink and not like shit in the morning and just think that that's normal, you know. Um, And then, look, 
as I said, alcohol was never an issue in our relationship. Every time we went out, he would drive, I would drink. That was just the way it went. He was fine with me drinking. I was happy with him not drinking. Right. But it all changed when we had kids. Okay. We had kids and I did not do those first few months of motherhood very well at all. Okay. Uh, Looking back, I definitely had some sort of postnatal depression Mm. going. I found the adjustment so hard Um, and we we found it really hard to get pregnant. It was, well, in the scheme of things, this isn't a long time really, but it was like a good 18 months of trying before we were able to fall pregnant. Yeah. But that's an exhausting 18 months. It is. Like mentally stress, just, yeah. Yeah. And it's the whole, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with him? Is there, yeah. you, know, you know, trying to get medical help and are we overreacting here? And all the stress that's involved in trying to fall pregnant. Um, Definitely. So then this baby arrives and I think I should be over the moon. Um, right. And in some ways I was and in some ways I just really was not prepared. Um, yeah. And I don't think anything can ever really prepare you, but I wasn't prepared and I really missed my old life and I couldn't wait to get back into drinking. I mean, okay. I had been alcohol as a form of self-care for years by that point. Right. You know, alcohol is self-care when you've had a bad day, you know, you have a drink. Yeah. So in those early days, I was having a lot of bad days um, yeah. and really hard to um, breastfeed, you know, so um there were you know there were lots of times where I wasn't breastfeeding I was giving formula and I was like well that gives me license if I'm not breastfeeding that gives me license to have a drink right right so oh I look back now and I feel so sorry for that woman for that girl who was drowning her like had postnatal depression was drowning her sorrows with alcohol which now I know affects sleep, increases anxiety, increases depression, all of the things I just didn't know or didn't want to know. Um, And I just feel for her. I just feel for her so much. Yeah, of course. And and like Natalie, to your, to your, not to interject, but like to your, I don't know, playing devil's advocate at that time, you only know what you know, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point in your life, drinking did work. Like, or else why wouldn't we do it? Right? Mm-hmm. Drinking maybe did take away the nerves or did take away the anxiety or did help us get over whatever hurdle we were approaching. Um until it doesn't, until it's like, okay, we need to find something else to do. We need a healthier option or situation to deal with this. But you don't know until until you know, you know? No, no I didn't. I just, I didn't know. And right. you're so right. You just, yeah, when you bought up a certain way and you sold a certain story and, I mean, I could get into mummy wine culture, but I won't because we'd be here for another podcast episode about that. But that is just a whole other ballgame. But yeah. women, <laughs> You know, in the most stressful times in our lives, we're sold yeah. this drug with the promise that it'll make life easier. Yeah. But it doesn't. 
life easier. It makes life harder. Yeah. It makes yeah. life easier for about, what, 17 minutes maybe? Yeah. <laughs> get back to totally. Down you come. You A know? good 17 minutes and then the next, like, three hours and the next day are just, like, torture. Three hours of chasing that 17 minutes and then you're paying for it the next morning. That's and, right. And then depending on your age, it could be two or three mornings in a row. That's right. That's right. <laughs> me started on that, Jessica. Did you yeah. know women reach their 40s over the course of the next 10 years, our liver capacity can reduce by up to 40%. And that's why all these, all these women in their 40s and 50s right. were thinking, why am I feeling so crap now after I have a few drinks? Well, our bodies just are not built to process it as we get older. Yeah. That's again a whole other story but there's so many things going on with women and alcohol and you know how how bad it can be for us if we use it in the wrong way um but in the wrong way so that was really the turning point for me so I had gone using alcohol as like a social thing um drinking with friends going out on the weekends having a bottle of wine with my um you know my partner or like whatever it was Mm -hmm to you drinking alone and using alcohol as a way to cope you Mm. know that was the difference like I'd gone using it as a bit of a social lubricant to have fun to using it to cope and over the course of the like following years after I had my first baby we had another I had another baby two years later okay and that's when yeah during those few years my relationship alcohol got very very gray very very fuzzy um Mm. and eventually got to the point where like I'd always had friends tell me you know it's amazing how you can just down a whole bottle of champagne and your demeanor doesn't change like you you wouldn't even be able to tell that I had it like I could just hold it you know they call it holding it well over here I don't know if they call it the same but you can hold it really well and you know it's everyone sort of pats you on the back like well done yeah um, here's your badge of honor that's ridiculous yeah um, and yeah so I got to the point where like my husband would work um really well he'd work till sort of like 5 36 o'clock at night he would come home I'd be at home looking after the kids he would come home and there were many nights where I had had a whole bottle of wine before he even got home from work. And when he walked in the door, I would like open a bottle of wine pretending that, oh, let's have a glass of of wine. Like it was my first wine. And honestly, he could not even tell. And so, yeah, yeah, it was massive. And I... I had this drinking cupboard in my kitchen where I would keep like all my wine and my glasses and everything. And I remember I used to like go and stand in the cupboard while the kids were playing or whatever. Yeah. I would go stand in the cupboard and I would like just skull wine. It was always wine. I never got into spirits or anything. Yeah. But I would drink a whole glass of wine and then run back off and be like, you know, mummy of the year and play Lego with them and everything else. But wow. Like I was, you know, I was drunk. <laughs> like it was it was really, yeah. really bad when I look back now. And um 
you know, no one would have been able to tell. Like I was a completely perfectly functioning like member of society. Yeah. People used to call me super mom, you know, all of those mm. things. How do you do it? How do you do, you know, it's like, yeah, if only you, you knew how I did it. Yeah. Um, and that just perpetuated. Wow. Yeah, that just perpetuated like all the anxiety that I had because, you know, I've always been quite an anxious person, but I was like waking up in the mornings just feeling like shit. Mm. These two mm-hmm. little kids at me, you know, they'd be staring at me. Don't get me wrong, I love my boys, but it was an exhausting time. Like it's an exhausting yeah. time of life. Um and yeah, I was just lubricating the whole situation with alcohol. That was that was the only way I knew how to cope with it. Yeah. And then one day, my husband was my my grandmother had just passed away, and I was doing her eulogy for her funeral. Um, okay. Our study, and it was a Saturday afternoon. The boys were home. My husband was home, and I'd said to him, "I need to take a couple of hours to go and do this um, eulogy," okay. and. He said, yeah, no worries, I'll look after the boys. And I took a bottle of champagne with me because at that point I was like incapable of doing anything emotional without, you know, numbing it down with alcohol. But right. it was a Saturday afternoon. I'm like, this is normal drinking, right? It's Saturday afternoon, no problem. My husband's here. He knows that I'm having a drink. Right. So I'm putting together the eulogy and then I hear my husband, um, he's had like this really strange sound to his voice and he said Nat could you just could you just come here for a minute please and I walk up the hallway and Mm -hmm. my husband had been um, meal prepping so he had all these nuts on the bench like he had walnuts and pecans and like all these different nuts that he was separating out and putting into these little containers yeah and my four-year-old was having an anaphylactic reaction on the bench and I, we didn't even know that he was allergic to nuts, but right. his, um, his face is all red, his lips start swelling, his tongue starts swelling. Damien oh, and I were like, fuck, what the fuck? But yeah. before we sprung into action, this is what I call like my turning point, and it was so subtle, but it was there. My first reaction before anything else when I saw him there on the bench was this flicker of annoyance that I couldn't keep drinking. I had this moment and I was like, fuck, does this mean I'm going to have to stop drinking now? I know, right? So. But I totally have been there. Do you know what? It's like I you're have... interrupting like my time, like great. Yeah. I'm going to have to wait for this. Exactly. Oh, you know, what's my afternoon yeah. going to look like now? Just that yeah. yep. fleeting thought. And when I tell this story, like so many women have said the same, you know, my daughter broke her arm and I was like, God, now I have to take her to the hospital because I now I can't stop, you know, I can't have to, you know, stop drinking and I had a big afternoon of drinking planned and, like, all the things. Yep. Anyway. You've got to be responsible. Ugh. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it was so quick. It was, like, less than a second, this uh, annoyance. Just yeah. sprang into action, of course. He's fine. We called an ambulance. He went to hospital. Yep. He treatment that he needed and he, he was fine. But... Oof. 
later I had, well, yeah, it was almost like a breakdown, just Mm. that moment. And I was like, you're a shit mum. You're a shit person. How could you even thinking like that? How, how just beating myself up like you wouldn't believe. And rightly so. Um, But that was the turning point. That was a turning, that was like my rock bottom. I know it sounds silly, but like, because so many people's rock bottoms are like these huge things where people get hurt or whatever. But for me, it was just that point in time where I thought alcohol is just taking way too much. This is really unhealthy, Nat, and you need to get some help. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's that light of a rock bottom, to be honest. No. You know, like, and and it doesn't have to be just because it's not like a physically like intense rock bottom like you didn't ruin a car or you didn't you know I don't know plow through something like so there wasn't any physical damage but the mental and I can only imagine the like the shame that you must have been felt feeling at that time that is pretty severe especially when it comes to like with children because yeah. like mum guilt just really amps up big time. It does. And, you know, I have, I've spoken to psychologists about that moment. I have yeah. like reached that moment. I mean, yeah, shame is the perfect word for it. Just, you just feel like the shittest person. Like here's this beautiful child yeah. that you have into the world and like they're my everything. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, he's in danger. And I have this moment where I'm just annoyed because I can't keep drinking. Like it's insanity. And it just I don't even know. I mean, what. yeah, it's insanity, but at the same time, I can totally see because I've like been there as well. Like I've been annoyed as well that I couldn't keep drinking because I had to like adult or something but how have you personally made peace with that moment in your life well I think you know it's such a good question when when I stopped drinking I just became a better mum I just became a better parent and it's like I am now trying to make up for that lost time you know I feel like I feel like I lost time with them when they were babies because I was so anxious and wanting to have a drink and all the rest of it. So, you know, I've made peace with it by showing myself some empathy because I said to me once, like, what what was the expression? It was something like shame can't survive empathy, Mm. which I think is so true. Like, yeah, when I stopped drinking and I actually started educating myself about alcohol and how addictive it is and it's in plain sight everywhere but it is such a substance I you know I just was able to show myself some empathy there and just be like like, Nat you were addicted to alcohol you know and it could have been it could have been worse I mean it was bad but it could have been you know he could have really felt I mean what if that moment had happened when my husband wasn't home and it was me alone drinking with the kids you know what if what 
Yeah. I mean, we could do that all day long. Exactly. Right. (laughs) I think like personally, when, when I hear that story, when I hear that split second of like, now I have to stop drinking. I empathize with you because to me that symbolizes like, oh my God, all I wanted was, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but all I wanted was to like chill out and do my own thing. Like I'm on call for you people 24 seven, like 365. And I just wanted to have a freaking afternoon to like chill out. Do you know what? I'm out maybe. That is so accurate. That is so accurate. And don't forget too, I was doing, planning my grandma's funeral. So I think everything involved in there, I think it was grief. I think it was like probably annoyance at my husband, like, cause he was working on the weekends then. And I'd said to him, I just need two hours. I need two hours. This is due by Monday. I need to get it to the funeral directors. I just need two hours of my time, you know, to get this done. And I had family relying on me to put this slideshow together with all these images for the funeral. And right. it was that too. You're so right. It was like yeah. two hours to get this done, you know? Yeah. And now it's like rudely interrupted by a like a pretty serious situation. Yeah, you be allergic to walnuts. Yeah, now we know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I like I can see how that it's not per, like when when I hear that story, it's not personally like oh my god I don't want to be a mom or like oh my god I don't want to take care of my kids. I don't think that at all. If anything, it's like oh my God, I need time for myself for like, regardless of like a grieving situation and having to do this, that, and the other for everyone else. Like I can totally understand. And I think a lot of women and especially mothers use alcohol to buy themselves time, right? Like that's like, they're kind of bargaining chip with like time and like alone time decompressing time time when you don't have to feel you don't have to be on it's it so makes true. perfect sense and it's it's like the perfect reward well yeah. I perfect reward so I've had a long day with the kids okay at five o'clock the tv's going on they can watch the mm-hmm. wiggles to their heart is content and I'm going to stand here I'm going to have my glass of wine I'm going to flick through my phone and I'm just going to numb out for a while yep it was like a a form of meditation it was like a way for me to just empty my brain and just yep. like numb down and just escape life for a while because life in that stage where you've got yeah. two very little people relying on you I just found it I just found it really hard really yeah. really and it is it's totally overwhelming and it's I I totally understand why you would want to do that and why anyone else would want to to do that as well regardless if you have kids or not like life just gets hard sometimes and we need a break um and and I totally that's why it makes perfect sense and For you, when you say that I became a better mom when you stopped drinking, I have a really good hunch that you've always been a good mom, but 
not drinking, you were able to like actually fulfill the shoes of the mom that you've always wanted to be. And like the, the, the mom that you always wanted to show up as and actually acknowledge that you were doing that because you didn't like numb yourself out. You didn't have to like have a couple bottles of wine. <laughs> oh, you're beautiful, Jessica. Seriously. <laughs> like that's one of the nicest things anyone has ever said to me. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't mean to be nice. I'm just being honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're both nice and honest. Okay, it was- cool. I'll take it. um yeah yeah it's uh, it's complicated becoming a mum like it really is really time and I think I think one of the things apart from like just feeling better in myself every day so I was you know not snapping at the kids as much and I had like this tolerance I had Mm. higher tolerance than what I when I wasn't drinking than, you know, when I was. Sure. Um, but, you know, another really big thing that stands out for me with parenting those little boys is I'm very grateful that they're not going to grow up seeing what I saw. Yeah. In, like alcohol needs to be everywhere and involved in every celebration. Yeah. And Damien and I, my husband, we're really big on not demonising alcohol. So we mm-hmm. don't say terrible alcohol is this alcohol is that but we're just very impartial to it so we don't okay. drink we don't have alcohol in the house because you know neither of us drink but right. if we have friends over and they they're having wine or a beer or whatever you yeah. know it's never a conversation about oh you know you shouldn't be doing doing that when you grow up or anything like that it's just mm. like presenting them with all of the information and yep. then we're they're ready like when obviously they're only six and eight now so they'll be you know much oh they got more- a while well they yeah. got a way to go <laughs> there'll be much more like in-depth conversations about alcohol that come up as they get older no, no doubt you know teenage yeah. thing. but at least it won't be the situation where I was brought up in in that you know well alcohol's just there all of the time you know they'll be able to make their own impartial sort of decisions on what kind of relationship they want to have with alcohol when they're older yeah and that's so cool like that's so different than what we had like so different I remember making like like my parents or like the adults around me because we had like two different sides of our family and like almost like you said demonizing alcohol and making it like a personal like dig like if you if you are a drunk this is what you're gonna look like this is what your life is gonna end up like you're gonna be like a total loser Mm. and I'm like okay but then but you you should drink but like this but not like that but like it was so confusing Because you're like, okay, well, too much. I'm a total loser. I'm going off the deep end. I'm living on the street. Great. Noted. Um, But like, how do you know too much is too much? How do you know? Like, how do you moderate? I guess it was like moderating or how do you regulate your alcohol intake? Because also no one displayed that. So (laughs) it was wild. Yeah, but also I saw my own parents and I definitely did it myself. 
let's just say like this big mm. I don't know, gray area drinking but like this, there's this huge spectrum of like where people sit on you know with their relationship with alcohol yeah and depending on what kind of week you're having if you've just had a relationship breakdown if you've just crashed your car if something blah 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 you can very quickly move from normal I'm doing inverted commas in the air yeah. but like normal drinker into that like heavy drinking unhealthy drinking type area and back again depending on what kind of day you're having and then right. if you've been too long further up the spectrum of this like unhealthy drinking because life is stressful like for me it was with the kids when I had the boys you know yeah. been too long up here in this unhealthy drinking yeah and before you know it you're you know you're right on the other end of the you know the, the mm. Probably not the right word, but do you know what I'm what I'm saying? I, I totally, I totally believe it's a spectrum. Like it's not so it's not black and white, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like like you said, I don't think alcohol is the problem. I don't think it should be demonized. I think we need to look at our personal relationships and why we're choosing to drink when, mm-hmm. you know, when we're having those st- stressful situations or like just why in general? Like why reach for that? What are we, you know, what are we trying to change or what are we trying to evoke or get from alcohol? Like, could we just sit with that feeling for 20 minutes and like, it might go away. It might still be there. Like the, the wanting to, to drink or the desire. And then what, like, why, just why? Yeah. Yeah, and I think too, like back in the day, there wasn't as much conversation as like self-care, mental health, after our brains and bodies and everything else. I mean, I think that removing alcohol is one thing that definitely helps my mental health, but it is so many other things. It is Mm -hmm. getting sunshine during the day. It is like even if it's just 10, 15 minutes outside, it's going for a quick walk, it's getting enough sleep, it's having a diet, it's like, you know, it's this whole range of things that I need to do to keep you know, like my brain in check. Totally. Um, and if I drop the ball on any one of those, the repercussions start coming pretty quickly. Like within a week or two, I start thinking, oh, like, whoops. Hi, what's happening? What have I forgotten yeah. to do? Um, totally. Unless you've got those tools and unless you have really identified like what it is that keeps you sane (laughs) Um, yeah and it takes a lot it takes you know takes a little bit of stuff and it took me removing alcohol for me to understand myself better and to think okay totally what is it that keeps you healthy Nat that's you know that's not attached to alcohol or the bottle and numbing down those feelings definitely oh I love that what is it that keeps you healthy it's such a good question to ask yourself um fantastic segue into the mindful mocktail tell me about how you started this like what was your mindset or what was your reasoning behind starting the mindful mocktail okay well so keeping in mind that a lot of my drinking seemed to be tied to how difficult I was finding parenting at the time Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and I found that there was like this direct link with um 
the amount, this sounds so terrible now, but like the amount I of time I spent home alone with the kids seemed to be tied to how much I was drinking. So like I remember sure. on days I would have this long day with the kids from like 7am till 7pm and my husband wouldn't get home till really late. And on Fridays, I was just so strung out by the end of the day and stressed out that I would drink more. Yeah. Then this weird thing appeared in the news that everyone referred to as COVID. And I was Uh-oh. like, what is this? What is going on? And I could, I was watching what was happening overseas. All these people were isolated to their homes. Yeah. Um, my husband has a job where I knew that even if like COVID did infiltrate Australia, he wouldn't be at home. Okay. So he would be at home. Okay. Every day for like months on end. So of course oh. my anxiety jumps ahead and I'm like, yep. it's definitely going to, turns out I was right. <laughs> COVID's going to yeah. come here. Lockdown for months. Where we live in Melbourne, we ended yeah. up getting the longest lockdown in the world. Oh. So we had the longest lockdown in the world here in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, anyway, I saw that coming and I was like, okay, you, you need to get hold of your relationship with alcohol now. This was just after my husband, my son had had the anaphylactic reaction. Okay. So I said to myself, you need to stop now. So I ended up, I did 30 days alcohol free. I um, signed up to a couple of courses, listened to podcasts, educated myself on alcohol, but I really, really missed being a creature of habit, having yeah. a in the afternoon, like just having something in the afternoon to sip that wasn't soda water or water. Totally. And in, it sounds really silly now, but I'd been growing this herb garden, like this okay. little garden thing out the front of my house. And I remember staring at it one day and thinking, I wonder if I could make like a syrup, like a syrup to put in my drink, like to mix with my soda water. I wonder if I could like make my drinks a bit more interesting. Okay. Yes. That was where it started. I'm okay. Like, how can I make non-alcoholic drinks more interesting and not like filled with sugar? Because so many of the store-bought varieties there were just packed with sugar. Yes. So I started experimenting with herbs I started experimenting with fruit and then with vegetables and I really liked crafting these non-alcoholic cocktails that didn't have as much sugar and that were made with like really fresh ingredients and sending these recipes like to friends because so we were in like lockdown by then so then I started sending these recipes to friends and family like via text and they would make them and be like oh my god this is amazing you should really you know start sharing these and I thought right that's what I'm going to start Instagram and I'm going to start sharing these recipes. So I started Instagram and I intertwined the recipes with my personal story. And when I started telling my story along with like sharing these recipes, oh, my God, I had messages from people all over the world Mm. like saying, me too, this is me don't stop sharing, like keep sharing the recipes, you know, you're keeping us going through lockdown, you know, all of those beautiful things. Um, Oh, that's so nice. That's so encouraging. No, and then it just took off. Like, honestly, I so many people, um, the, I'd never picked up a camera up until that point. So I taught myself photography, videography. I learned to like mix these beautiful drinks and, It eventually like turned into a bit of a side hustle because I had brands coming to me and saying, hey, could you experiment with our product? And I was like, yeah, 
It was amazing. It just, it just really so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then tell us what just happened recently. Then, then, then the other week, I was contacted by a publisher and I am going to be writing a recipe book, which is just oh, (laughs) that is incredible. I know. I cannot believe it. I still, as I said to you before, I'm still a yeah. bit deep, deer in headlights about it. Like just yeah. shocked. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. Um, yeah. But it's so yeah. exciting. So it's going to be focusing on, they're going to be like uh, mocktails with, I haven't worked out the exact wording yet, but essentially yeah. it's sort of mocktails, but not as you know them. So they're not full of juice okay. and sugar and everything else. Yeah. Each one of a health like a nutritional component I'm okay. actually a nutritionist um on some of the recipes to make sure you get like full benefit out of them so it's like sipping a glass of health like my motto has always been drink yourself healthy not hungover yes. so not only are they like beautifully crafted drinks but they also have a health element as well so yeah. Oh my gosh, Nat, that is so fantastic. I'm so happy for you. And I hope you like relish and all this excitement, all the deer and headlight feelings. I love that. That's so exciting. And who would have known? Like none of this would have happened if you didn't stop drinking. I know. I can't believe it. You know, alcohol yeah. was really keeping me so small. Like I remember when I was drinking, yeah. feeling like crazy busy, I couldn't possibly fit anything else in. Like I was maxed out. Like life yeah. was at maximum capacity. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, drinking, and I'm able to fit all this other stuff in. And then all of a sudden, you know, create these beautiful drinks and this amazing audience, and um, and now get a book deal. I mean, none of this would have happened if I'd still been drinking. It's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I love that story. I think it's so fantastic and I'm so happy for you. That's so exciting. So (laughs) exciting. Uh, Nat, I got one more question for you. For anyone listening to us today, do you have any words of advice to maybe someone who's maybe starting their journey or just trying to trudge along, uh, trying to go booze free? What piece of advice would you give someone listening today? I I really stand by knowledge is power. Mm. I really think the knowledge about drinking really empowered me. So I would say immerse yourself in sobriety podcasts, mm. um, head over to, um, yeah, podcasts that, tr- that teach you about the effect of alcohol on our mind and body. Okay. Um, this- of quit lit out there um, that you could read as well plenty of books but I found that podcasts really you know they're much easier than sitting down with a book you can listen to them on a walk or when you're cooking dinner or, or whatnot so yeah, definitely. some podcasts learn as much as you can about what alcohol is doing to your brain and body and okay. I would be very very surprised if you didn't start reducing your intake very quickly <laughs> or questioning your relationship and your intake right oh that makes sense that's why that's happening yes I think one is also sorry Jess I know Jessica you only asked for one but um 
for me it was whenever I was like triggered by something and I felt like a drink becoming yeah. enough to go what's that about what was it about mm. that made me think of alcohol like what is it about a situation that I'm uncomfortable with what is it that's making me want to reach for something that I know is going to numb me down yeah and this is we get to know ourselves better, right? When mm-hmm. you start to investigate what it is that makes us stressed and then yes. get to know that and try and reduce that stressor in our lives or deal with it in whatever way you need to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's tough, right? It's, it's sounds a lot easier said than done, but you're right. Like taking that, just pause, just mm-hmm. taking, the, taking a beat and being like, okay, what's coming up here? What do you want to tell me? What do we got to talk about? What's happening? <laughs> can really, yeah, it can help. And it builds, you know, like a muscle. It gets stronger and stronger. It's not going to happen overnight. It's just not. But get stronger and stronger. Uh, Nat, where can we find you and the Mindful Mocktail? Sure. So I'm mainly on Instagram. So okay. if you the mindful mocktail on Instagram um, and I do I know you asked me before about um, the book so mm-hmm. the, I have a link in my bio at the moment so if you are interested in just registering your interest in pre-orders there's actually Perfect. a link there on Instagram and you can also find me online I have a website as well at mindfulmocktail.com and all my recipes are there uh, for free for you to access at any time amazing Nat, thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience and knowledge with us. This has been so fantastic. Thank you for having me. I'd like to come back again one day. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We got to We got uh, to get into the book when, it, when it's published next year. Then we got to do we got to do yeah. a whole book conversation. Oh, yes. I'd love that. Thank you. Okay, perfect. What a fantastic conversation. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave your feedback about the podcast. We love to hear your comments. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and head to asobergirlsguide.com. We have tips and tricks to help you at any stage of your booze-free journey. We got your back, girl. Head to asobergirlsguide.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.